0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 147 today. So before I jump into the emails, of which we have several really good long emails for you this week, I um, just want to say thanks to a couple of people for the GoFundMe that we're doing currently for the advanced course. Uh, there should be a link below if you'd like to donate. Um, Chris Young gave a very generous $1,000 donation a couple of days ago, so thank you so much for that, Chris. And... Um, Cindy Menches uh, has decided to give us a monthly donation of, well, this month it's $100, so thank you very much for that as well. So the first email we had this week is from Gavia Arctica on the community, and she says, This is long. I'm just thinking out loud here, trying to make a bit of a study schedule for myself. I have no reason or goal for learning Chinese other than having fun with it. Sometimes it means that I'm not very methodical in what I'm doing to learn. It's okay to have fun, but having a clear study program and sticking to it would make learning more efficient. Since I found Mandarin Blueprint about a year ago, I now finally have a clear path to follow. Thank you for that. MB is definitely my Chinese learning home. (laughs) That's nice. But I also venture out every now and then to practice writing, speaking, listening outside the course not having a timeline or a goal keeps things relaxed but sometimes it also means that I'm always a bit frustrated wanting to do more and more but don't have the time for it and then may then spend a whole weekend studying and get far too tired that's such a common problem Um, getting burnt out and then quitting for a while um, taking maybe too long off and then oh no, my Chinese is getting worse, and then jumping back into it and really hitting it hard, not not having a stable rhythm, which a study schedule, of course, helps massively with. So yeah, this is a great point. Sometimes I also get too excited about some particular thing like watching some TV series way over my comprehension level listening to music, practicing speaking or writing above my level and may take too long breaks from advancing with the course. So I'm looking for some sort of balance here, a minimum to do every day, but also a maximum to control my tendency to overdo things and burn myself out. I don't want that to happen with Chinese. That's a really good idea. Um, Have a zero day uh, level. So describe what is your minimum, not sorry, zero day. (laughs) There's no zero days, remember. Um, What's your... Worst study day? What's your uh, minimal effort study day? And always do that as your minimum every day. I definitely have that. Um, <clears throat> me and Phil uh, discussed this on the Language Mastery podcast with um, John, Th- uh, John Fotheringham. So check that out. You can Google that. Um, we talk about our study schedules there. So, this is my plan for a study schedule for the next, let's say, three months to begin with. Weekdays, I will not pick up the phone for my flashcards as soon as I wake up. I will start with some physical exercise and start studying only when I have plenty of fresh oxygen in my brain. Great idea. Exercise is so useful for that, keeping you active and energetic. And yes, you spend time exercising, but you gain that time back in in, the, in terms of the quality and quantity of study time that you can put up with um, due to the energy that you have. So use 10 to 30 minutes after morning exercise to 100% concent- concentrated review. For example, the newest characters and sentences, learning new stuff, or uh, reviewing newer stuff, sorry. Shadowing sentences, which means reading out loud and listening at the same time. Phone call with a hello talk friend, writing a bit on hello talk or reviewing my previous hello talk conversations no more hello talk on weekdays besides this morning moment listen to MB sentences or stories while making breakfast and getting ready for work review anki and scritter for my pre MB characters preferably during the morning or early afternoon and any in any little breaks I have during the day that's very key finding the gaps during the day uh, there's so much time spaced out that we usually spend scrolling on a phone or Staring into space or just having idle conversation, an idle chit-chat. Um, and those could be filled with 5, 10, 20 minutes of study. Learn three new characters with their words and sentences at night or at my lunch break if there's time. Write by hand the characters and words to be reviewed from previous levels. I know, not absolutely necessary, but just seems to be a calming thing to do in the evening. I've moved the older reviews into separate decks for this moment. Every now and then, write by hand some complete sentences from earlier levels where I know all the characters in the sentences already. When life happens, it's okay to skip the new characters one or two days a week, but preferably do at least one per day. Yeah, It's nice to, of course, finish your reviews. That's like a minimum, right? Finish your reviews. But it's nice to also make a little bit of progress New progress every day. Weekends, I'm allowed to spend more time on HelloTalk. It's a great source of motivation since it is the only place for me to have contact with real Chinese people. I'm in a totally non-Chinese environment here. All the weekday stuff still needs to get done on the weekends as well. No more Mondays where pending flashcard reviews have piled up for two days. Yes, that's a very good idea. If I have time, I'm allowed to do six new characters per day on the weekend. No more. If there is time, generally there isn't, because the rest of my life needs some attention as well. Read an easy reader, I guess that means like graded reader. Watch something in Chinese, movies, TV series. It doesn't necessarily have to be studying, quote unquote. Okay to do it just for entertainment, getting used to hearing the language. Absolutely true. You've got to enjoy yourself. Uh, not that learning and reviewing isn't enjoyable, but uh, you've got to have some downtime, so sort a of, uh, relaxed study as well. Um, passive listening, that sort of thing. Habits and breaks is the final section here. Work on correcting my pre MB bad habits on how I review. I need to get used to doing my best to really recall and visualize my movies, especially right at the point when I'm first learning the character. This is vital. Um, I think, due to the kind of addictive nature of our course, people just, and you know, it's huge as well, and people want to just keep making progress like okay that character uh, made a scene okay cool done the next character they want to keep progressing right and this is a, re- a really common thing where people will not realize it it's kind of like it reminds me of like uh um doing a workout with a weight at, a, at the gym you want to keep increasing your weight so you've got let's like, say you're doing like i don't know a uh, squat or something like that and uh This happened to me, I was like, yeah, my weight's increasing like so quickly, it's amazing, and I wanna keep increasing my weight. Of course, the reason why my weight's increasing so quickly is because my technique's getting worse and worse and worse. (laughs) Uh, No, it's deadlift, and then of course, after a few months, my back, (laughs) my back is messed up. So, um, it's kind of the same thing with study, get the technique, do it properly, Um, otherwise it's not real progress. Right, So make sure that when you do a new character with our method, you make sure that you can, when you review it, especially the, like, like uh, Gavia says, the first, second, third review, those new reviews of that new character, make sure you, um, you can recall every aspect of the scene, every aspect of the character, the reading, the writing, the pronunciation. Whatever you don't recall, focus on it, correct it, go back into your scene in your imagination, redo it, tweak it and then see what happens next review, and uh, make sure you do that. The later reviews, as long as you do that properly, the later reviews get easier and easier. Um, So that's a great point. I need to pause and think a bit before saying, oh, I can't remember this. Now that I have movies for my characters, I may still sometimes feel that, but if I just try to go to the place where the movie was filmed, it all does come back. Doing that is so much more effective than just hitting enter to see this forgotten character once again. Yes, yes. Um, like I said, going back into your imagination, tweaking the scene, um, visiting every aspect of it. Often people get in touch and say, oh, "I can't remember my." Every time I recall the character, I'm forgetting one part of it. I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting the the prop. Or usually it's actually the set I'm forgetting which set I'm in or the room within the set um, often it's the keyword those are the, probably the two most common issues I can't seem to remember the keyword and my answer and Phil's answer is always the same go back and focus on that part of it so if you're not remembering you're not remembering where you are in your mind make, make a point of going in there you're in your aunt's living room your auntie's living room okay what 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 is unique about your auntie's living room? What, do you remember any specific objects? you remember the layout? Have your character interact with something in the room and you'll be fine. Work for one whole level like this and then take a three to five day break in order to reduce the daily review load that tends to build up and may take too much time to keep this doable in the long term. Take some extra time for listening practice, mostly the 加油女儿 series, but really concentrating on listening repeating the same episode to understand what's going on not just watching it for entertainment again it's that focusing not just not just sort of being passive the more active you are in not just your listening but your every aspect listening reading writing speaking the more active you are the more focused and the more energy you spend of course but the more you get out of your time with that activity so you just have to balance that out with how much uh, energy you actually have and other things that gavia does here is read an easy reader speak a bit more or not it's okay to do reviews only a few days in between levels just feel good about my chinese and proud of having completed one more level and that's the important thing about setting that minimum in your study schedule is because you don't feel guilty and sometimes it's like this vague sense of guilt it's based on nothing it's just a feeling maybe i'm not really studying enough maybe i'm not making enough progress but that goes away if you have a plan if you have a schedule say every day no matter what monday sunday i'm going to do this amount as a minimum and then if you don't do that then maybe you can feel bad but as long as you do that you're like okay i've done my minimum today and this kind of thing is just a general habit building um, sort of principle that you can apply to all sorts of habits, exercise, anything. So finally here she says, not a fast pace, but with all of the rest of my life, this is actually quite a lot. And over the long time, long time, <laughs> over the long term, it will be a lot more because it's way more stable, way more consistent, and consistency is key. Um, It's much better than doing like three hours, then zero, 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 and then two hours, then one hour, and then three hours, and then five hours, and then zero for a week. (laughs) It's way better just to do 30 to 60 minutes every day. Again, just like exercise. But I'll try and see, adjust as necessary. I do need a program to stick to. Now I've told you all, so I have to do it. Thanks for listening. What does your study program look like? And that's... The topic I've chosen for today's podcast, and I think, I think it's all worth uh, if you whether you're on the, if you're on the Mandarin Blueprint Method course, if you have a subscription, or you've purchased the course, then I suggest you go to this community post and comment, get involved. And if you don't, that's fine. But just make your sh- study schedule Monday to Sunday. What are you going to do? What's your minimum? Uh, and try and follow Gabby's example here because I personally can't think of any way that she could improve on this. <laughs> uh, it seems a lot more organised than me when I was studying, like full time. So I'd say this is worth emulating, you know. And figure it out based on, of course, your own schedule. What have you got? Have you got sixty minutes a day? Thirty minutes? Push the limits a little bit if you can find those gaps during the day, etc. And make your study schedule and share it with us. Email it to us or share it with the comment below. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, before I move on to the next email, I actually just realized yeah, we've added a subscription. <laughs> so, we took that away about, well, it was well over six months ago now, almost a year ago. We took away the uh, monthly and annual subscriptions. And, uh, <clears throat> We decided to just sell the course in chunks, you know, or as a bundle and just do it that way. But we want, we've want we brought back the monthly subscription just to make the course a bit more accessible. And uh, yeah, so that is something that we're doing now. And we don't have like four different installment plans. We only have 12 monthly installments or the full price of the course or a monthly subscription that's just recurring until you decide to stop. So that's what we're doing there. Keith Travis on what's new in phase five so Keith is making his way really well through the course and he decided to give a bit more detailed um, feedback on his progress and some sort of certain breakthroughs and successes that he's having which we really appreciate please do that if you're on the course it really helps us out so he says a few very exciting realizations happened to this point I'll save those for a few moments Although I would not emphasized myself yet towards mastering any one of the phase four opinions, dialogues, or passages, I did take the time to read and listen to each. So these are the long-form pieces of content that get unlocked uh, after level 21. I wrote a few down. I practiced one which I had written with pinyin as notes below each line of the hands. So it began to turn out well after a few tries, yet after having noticed some comments to the effect of perhaps giving them in the air of 20 to 50 practices before committing to the send-off... I decided to pursue phase five vocab. It's nice to get the flashcard deck started. I like that each phase's vocab and sentences can be pursued in chunks independently from each other. I made it through all of the phase four sentences at least once each, yet subsequent reinforcement is, I'm lagging a bit some days. Yeah, so that's how we've structured the course. It's a linear program, but you can you can jump around if you wish to some degree, so you can just so you can just learn all the characters and words and then come back and do all the reading and listening that you've unlocked afterwards. That's fine. Or you can just follow it as it's laid out. But the vocab, I was able to use the Phase 5 vocab flashcard deck to initiate and prompt my starting a hands and movie method scene in a single day, perhaps through settings, sittings, and no more than three hours. this without having looked into the website a single time. However, the following day, today, my retention was surprisingly low, perhaps bordering 50%. But gosh, that's 50% of 106 new characters and about 265 new words total. Today, day two of phase five, I comfortably wrote out each character from the website into my ever-expanding set of notes. These make for a nice at-a-glance review of entire levels from a single page. I'm so hungry to continue batch processing the intermediate vocab in the coming week or two. It's a bit addictive. My sentences still lag behind in phase four reinforcement a bit, but the flashcards let me add some phase five sentences aside from that, so I can at least stay closer to upon the leading edge of the integrating more recent vocab. Okay, now for the aforementioned exciting realizations. Number one. I listened to a YouTube video in which a native Chinese host is interviewing a native English speaker who has spent ten years studying Mandarin. There were subtitles in both Hanza and English. The native English speaker was doing most of the talking and in Mandarin, and he was fairly fast, and yet despite this, I was amazed to see that I recognized well more than eighty percent of the Hanza, the characters. Entire sentences were coming up a hundred percent. I wasn't able to translate at that speed, but I was able to recognize closer to 95-98% to 98% of the characters used. Fantastic. Even if these characters or his speech were largely determined by high frequency and simplicity, the sheer fact that I was recognizing that much that quickly relative to a native English speaker with 10 years of practice meant a lot to me. The host's speech likewise turned out in extremely recognizable hands, definitely better than 80%, although my aural and visual translation speed aren't there yet. I can clearly see that I've have already have tremendous foundation. This is great to hear. And it's completely normal, by the way, um, for your understanding to be lagging a little bit. Number two, the email sent from Mandarin Blueprint after the completion of each level. I had been sort of skimming or skipping most of these in my batch processing. I read through a few of them this evening, starting with the messages, capping the completion of levels 35 and 36 at the end of this phase. Since I had written all of the characters in them on day two of my flashcards. Bam! Although the example sentences used to elaborate on the pointers given in the emails are not as compl- complicated as seeming as the flashcard sentences, I was able to read and understand these sentences almost as fast as the English setting up the context for what they were to be elaborating. It shows me the difference between reading practice sentences out of the blue on my flashcards and reading in context with relatively few surprises. These end-of-level grammar or idiom lessons are a fantastic bonus, highly digestible and politely reaffirming. (laughs) Thank you, it's awesome. Number three, the Google Translate microphone will consistently and accurately detect and translate the 80% speed levels of the native spoken dialogues, opinions and and so on. I will not pick up much slower than that. If I practice, it is fairly sensitive to ending and translating sound from the microphone with any awkward pauses in my speech attempt. This is fantastic. Obviously as it's consistently and accurately, as it consistently and accurately picks up sound from the recordings of native speech, it makes for a relatively good gauge of my own attempts as well as providing a bit of natural impetus for me to develop a smooth enough cadence to not trigger it to end the recording. This is really interesting. We've had a few people comment about the Google Translate microphone. It's a very nice, cool way of practicing your Chinese speaking when you don't have a partner because like like uh like like it said here, it it detects things very well, it translates very well, and it detects accurately spoken Mandarin very well, so it's a good gauge. Number four, dreams and warping of English towards the end of our second month of consistent daily practice, a bit of Mandarin language processing is definitely showing up in my dreams as. Whatever it is that dreams are doing is mostly gibberish, yet yet it is there. I've been noticing that my English has as well become a bit modified as inadvertent emulations of my own still vague coming to grips with Mandarin grammar, both in my speech as well as in writing. In general, I'm doing what I can to be less rigid in pushing for an adamant grip upon every word. That's great. Trying to be a bit more welcoming of accepting understanding or comprehension in whatever form and however, howsoever it emerges. I am craving a bit of grammar, if I'm honest. When I review the Mandarin Blueprint Grammar Lessons after the fact of having practiced sentences, we always give the lessons after. That's one of the key uh, things about the way we teach grammar in our course. We teach grammar in the traditional sense, I suppose, but we only do it after you've been exposed to that grammar point at least 10 times. When I review the grammar, Mandarin Movement grammar lessons after the fact of having practiced sentences and reinforced with flashcards for at least a few days, they do come across as highly digestible hindsight sort, sorts of confirmations of vague emerging mental twitches and intuitions, as do the end of level emails. Still, before too long, I'm just going to cave in and spend a few days beginning an investment towards a purview of the 500 points of grammar and idiom said to be relevant by HSK level through to level six. That's fine, you know, uh, whatever you enjoy, uh, as long as it's mar- like reasonably effective, it has some sort of effect, um, which which that does, you know. And then number five, nope, <laughs> perhaps just the free- previous four awesome real- realizations will do for now. Moving ahead, I expect I'll continue to target writing out all of the remaining material in the form of intermediate vocab and the longer passages from phases four to five. There are 5,720 Mandarin Blueprint practice sentences at the moment. I think there's 7,000 in total. Um, And of course, we're going to increase that number by a lot once we've expanded the course. I'm trying to let that sink in. I'm a bit happily dependent for the time being on the efficacy of the OCLO selection. So OCLO is um, optimal character learning order. It's our pattern pending sequence for the characters that we've chosen, uh, where it unlocks words and sentences in, in a very specific intuitive order. That's what, that's what being referred to here. Finally, a note on literacy in two to three months, which I believe Keith referred to in a previous comment relative to my three plus hour a day for the previous two months for context taken from online children usually go to grade one at the age of six or seven in china according to yeah it's basically the standards for um for uh, the the ac- children's academic schooling something or other Not very good translator, to be honest. The character number that children should learn is grade one to grade two can read 1,600 characters and write 800 characters. Grade three to grade four can read two and a half thousand characters and write 2,000 characters. I'm uncertain how, if, or how much difference there is between that standardized ideal and the common reality. However, on the face of things I have achieved, have I achieved literacy within my sphere of vocabulary? Yes. Mostly, little to no caveat. That's just so cool to hear. It's fantastic, thanks for mentioning that. I can usually correctly visually read sentences directly to my understanding, smoothly and without much difficulty, sometimes faster and sometimes much slower than 80% native speed. I cannot however pronounce sentences aloud nearly as well as I can mentate their pronunciations in my inner voice. Attempting to speak aloud with the same efficacy as in my inner voice seems to take up more brain power bandwidth than I would have expected. I can however shadow pronounce most short to medium length sentences with ease, although this can be with or without actual comprehension depending on the sentence. I'd suggest that I've developed a literacy loosely comparable with a grade one seven-year-old Chinese student in two to three months. Not bad. <laughs> not, not just not bad, it's awesome. I've listened to. Uh, children reading some graded reading materials on link it does not seem like an unreasonable comparison however i understand that now i can realistically expect with a similar degree of application across the next two months months three and four for me that i will by that time have solidly picked up all of the vocabulary through to the end of the intermediate level and have had two solid months of sentence grinding in addition to whatever level of practice I develop within the 49 passages of the Phase Four and eight longer graded reading sections, selections from Phase Five, with the intermediate sections unlocked, my real hope is that time that in that time frame is simply to begin perceiving some substantial transitions from literacy to fluency. I should expect, as I should expect, greater degrees of spontaneous speech habit emerge. This is such an amazing, detailed uh response and it's like i said last time i believe that i read out another comment from keith in the last podcast i did it's just so darn helpful to us um to see this because we we base our things based on our own uh our own experiences but also based on mainly on the the feedback from our members how fast they make it through so all the claims we make is based on our members but these sorts of things allow us to uh rejigger those, those, those claims and uh, make them more accurate uh, decrease them, increase them in terms of the time, whatever it is and it looks like Keith here is, is going to be uh, incredibly helpful to us in further understanding the effects of the course so that's one thing another thing I want to mention is Keith, you should definitely um, you will definitely get just general spontaneous fluency you will be able to just produce things That's how it works. But you also do need speaking practice on its own. You need just, you know, that's something that you need to do. Like uh, Gavi, we mentioned earlier, she's got uh, several times a week, she's on Hello Talk, you know, practicing with Chinese people, whether that's just texting. But if you want to actually get better at speaking, you need speaking practice as well. Um, So that's something you should definitely, the reason why I mentioned that is I don't want you to get disappointed in another two months. You're like, I've smashed my way through the intermediate course, but I don't feel like I'm fluent yet. It's like, well, that's a separate part of the brain. Um, And of course, you can't unlock that part without the input that you're getting from the course. It doesn't work without that. But at the same time, you can't just have the input. You also need to practice output to get better at output. Does that make sense? So um, you will definitely notice much better output, but for, for a real stark breakthroughs in that area I want you to start um, spending 45 minutes a week at least practicing with a native tutor preferably a paid tutor just because it's just easier but if you're like Gavia you're really a go-getter and uh, you like to <clears throat> you can then you'll be fine with a language uh, exchange partner but this is fantastic progress um, reading reading from zero in two months another two months smashing your way through the intermediate course absolutely possible uh, please, please keep us updated, and I'll I'll be happily uh, uh, read this out. Read your updates out every week, <laughs> every two weeks. So awesome, and I just, yeah I wanted to mention as well. I did make a comment halfway through where I was I uh, I very lazily looked at that uh, Chinese uh, sentence, um, and uh it was, oh okay I'm a bad translator and moved on. Um. It reminds me of uh, an interview I saw with Dashan. Uh, Dashan is like one of the most famous foreigners who speak Chinese. You know, his Chinese is just ridiculously good. <laughs> he does stand-up comedy in Chinese, right? He's uh, he's been famous for probably twenty years, twenty-five years in China. And uh, one of the interviews I saw, I'm, I'm a big fan of this guy. I think I'm you know big respect for this guy it's pretty much flawless Chinese like you just listen to it, it sounds like a native pretty much um, and uh, in his interview he's like this guy was asking him so do you do you meet people that have Chinese better than you and he's like yes <laughs> like and I mentioned this on a previous podcast he's like the, he's like what what kind of people are better than you are Chinese you know you've been doing this for 20 years he's like translators <laughs> it's like especially those um, I can't remember what they're called but the people that translate like real time So they have, like, Chinese in their ear and they translate into their native foreign language, whatever it is. Um, It's not done the other way. (laughs) Only Chinese people do it the other way. But uh, still, to be able to just look at Chinese and then instantly say the English is a skill that takes extra. It's just a different, again, just like I said with um, Keith, like speaking and reading is a different part of the brain. Translating is also kind of a different part of the brain, Um, especially with the more formal, complex, you know, sort of... um, academic nomenclature that sort of stuff it's just not something that you can just do instantly so um you can definitely be if you if you get to a good level of speaking you can definitely do basic translation that's not a big problem but when it comes to like you know you just don't know the words i remember i was uh (laughs) yeah often i forget how bad my english vocabulary is as well (laughs) that's another thing i was I was at a, an event and I had a chinese translator he's one of those real time translators but he's a chinese guy so he does english to chinese and this was a pretty basic event nothing nothing too crazy but he had like a whole bit list of notes um which for words that for me were very you know just in my vocabulary you know but for him he was like cuz it was for it was for some sort of a food event right so he was like writing out he had like a big list of notes for all these specific cheeses and stuff like that and um he spent a lot of time preparing and that's like a very high level guy as well so um anyway i just thought i'd mention that so next is a uh, rebecca weeble on uh, level 57 and rebecca's been with us for ages and she's just finished the intermediate course so well done rebecca this is awesome she says well i'm done and it's kind of hard to believe mb's been such a big part of my daily routine for nearly two years i'm going to miss it i kind of feel like a baby bird jumping out of the nest and hoping my wings will support me one thing is for sure these this is the best character learning method out there thanks guys well rebecca uh you'll be fine and of course we're always here (laughs) we're not going anywhere so you can always contact us if you need advice just generally what to do next and of course you know, we're not done. We'll be expanding the course as soon as we can. And uh, I believe Rebecca has a lifetime access, uh, lifetime membership with us. So um, she will get the uh, levels as they are released. So as soon as we've got a level ready, we're going to release it to the people that have either given us uh, donated $500 or more to the, to the GoFundMe or have a lifetime uh, access. Uh, and also, I'll also be doing uh, an interview with Rebecca some point soon, so that should be out. Next one here is from Lynn, level 20 in phase three complete. I really appreciate how the phases and levels are set up. It gives you the opportunity to pause once in a while and give yourself a pat on the back for making it this far. Beginning with sentences in phase three was so much fun. After being focused on learning words in phase one and two, it took a little while to get my mind out of the little translation, literal translation mode. But when the sentences got longer, my word-for-word approach clearly was not very effective. Translating word for word and then trying to rearrange all the words into the sentence, I would more often than not miss some aspect of the intended meaning. But if I just read the whole thing through quickly, it would it would all make sense somehow. Well. Most of the time, at least. Before I started this course, I had zero prior experience to learning Mandarin or even being exposed to the language. So I take every sentence that I now understand as a victory. And the ones that, are, that still are above, a bit above my level of comprehension? No big deal. Yes, this is the attitude we're looking for. As this is my first comment here, I also need to say thank you, Luke and Phil, for all the hours and hours spent making such an amazing course. I'd be quite embarrassed to have to admit how many languages I've started to learn, only to give up on after a few weeks or months. With the Mandarin Blueprint method, however, I have made it this far and I'm still having fun. And I have a clear path ahead of me to follow. I always wanted to learn Mandarin, but I thought it would be too hard, so I never even gave it a try until this year. And now, with your method, the goal of fluency doesn't even seem that far-fetched anymore. My mind is blown, Phase four. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Lynn, for that. And that just uh, sort of woke me up a bit. To I, I did a uh, interview I released uh, I think a few days ago, a week or maybe a week ago, with Chad, who's uh, and he's, uh also relatively new to the course, been with us for a few months. And uh, one thing I mentioned in that interview was because he he asked um, I believe he asked a question something like you know, how many brand new people do you get? People brand new to Chinese. And I sort of said, without really thinking about the answer, as I often do, <laughs> I just sort of said, um, well, you know, I think because, you know, we're, we're a new company and we're not very high up in Google yet and things like that. So people tend to discover us later in their journey. Um, but actually, I'm getting more and more messages like this to, that that tell me that, People are coming to our website and starting our course who are brand new. who are, They haven't tried anything else before. And they're finding Mandarin Blueprint as the first thing, which is great. And then I decided to look into a quiz that we've been running on our website. I've taken it off for now, but uh, we'll probably put it back on at some point. And It's all just generally like, how long will it take you to learn Chinese you know, based on your personal answers to these questions? So it's five questions. And um, the first question is, how long have you been learning Mandarin? And so far we've had 1,000 people, almost a 1,000 people, finish this quiz. And almost half of them, 46.2% said, I haven't started yet. <laughs> so half of the people that took the quiz have not even started learning Chinese. Um, and 4.2% of them said, five years sorry, 6% said five plus years. Uh, so, so, yeah. And 16% said less than a month. So the vast majority of people are brand new to, to, the, uh, to this language, which is really interesting to find out. So thank you very much, Lynn. Um, and please, like, like Keith, like Gavia, keep us updated, stay active. We need your, uh, your responses and your feedback on your learning experience is so useful to us and to I'm sure the people listening to this podcast as well so yeah this is a very common story of yours as well this is very common Chinese seems too hard oh it's not actually that hard it's just you need a system in place you need a guided path for the most part and uh, it's not that tough in fact, it's, it's a lot easier than other languages in many ways. Next is Melanie on Casting Call, which is where we pick an actor. She says, wow, thank you for this fast, personal and thorough reply. So this is usually Phil. Uh, I sometimes do this, but Phil is usually the one that does like a video response to the comments, um, like with a screen share. Uh, and uh, he sent a video when she was struggling with how to choose her scenes. The videos I refer to are in the How to Choose Scenes link under the lesson about final an that links to how to choose actors and on and on many videos and explanations i will trust you and keep going i really appreciate your answer great customer service yes we pride ourselves on that and we now because of all these responses that we've been doing uh these video responses we've now built up a really nice video FA, faq if you go to our main website mandarinmover.com you'll see like a little chat bot there click on that you can access the articles the help center from there. Next is Ann Giles on new vocabulary unlocked for Mingbai, Shuangming, and Mingnian. She says, "I'm pausing to marvel at the care, thoughts, and expertise that must have gone into deciding to teach us these characters in this order: Yu, Yong, Peng, Peng, Ming. They all share similar components that build upon each other. Which is again, that's OCLO. thats our optimal character learning order. And now we get these words to understand, to explain, have a, and next year, Mingbai, Shuangming, and Mingnian." beautiful extraordinary thank you well care thought expertise i really, really appreciate that and i like to just call it being super nerdy and like overly perfectionist um to the point of infuriating phil but uh uh yeah um we we both spend a lot of time we're both just crazy nerdy about this language and we'll sit there like we'll, ha- we'll both happily discuss like where to put a character for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Like where should we put this new character? You know? Um, and we'll have like debates about it and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, but thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Dunya on pick a prop for Gandalf staff. Using props is fun. I feel like Chinese is fun. Thank you for that. That's <laughs> a nice, simple comment and I really appreciate it. Of course, um, yeah, Dunya is just getting into the very beginning of the phase one. So it's kind of all exciting and, and new at that point, making visual mnemonics for the first time, I assume. So that's great. The next one is uh, Rebecca Weeble on uh, Yen, which means sort of a, a blazing of flames. Um, again, that's me with my probably terrible translation. That's what I'm feeling I get from looking at that character, but the keyword we chose is probably slightly different. Um, so Rebecca pointed out a mistake that we made on the course, the spelling of the pinyin, but uh, it's, it's an interesting mistake because there's an excuse for it. So here's the mistake. The, ca- the, the characters that you see here are actually bing qi lin, right, qi with a qi. And she says, isn't it qi? Not JI." we, we wrote in the pinyin, we wrote bing qi lin. isn't it qi? And the answer is yes, we were wrong. And I obviously corrected that. But then I was like, why are we, Why would we do that? Why would we put a ji there? That doesn't even make any sense. Bing Jilin. Bing, jilin, bing jilin sounds right. I was saying it to myself. Bing dealing with the ji That sounds right to me. And Bing Jilin also sounds right. So then I sort of looked into it. And uh, there's two ways of saying ice cream. I didn't know this. <laughs> and I've probably been saying both of them or a mixture between them all these years. So the first one is Bing qi-ling, that's like the classic, bing qi-ling, bing qilin is the classic one with the qi, right? But there's also bing qi-ling, bing Ji ling with the l-i-n-g and a j-i, and a fifth tone j-i, bing Di ling okay? I was like, oh, that's why we said the j probably. Um, and apparently, this bing qi-ling is like a, it's taken from uh, zhejiang sort of accent, in China, it's still still Chinese, it's not standard Mandarin though, but it's like taken from that sort of uh, feng Yin, that dialect. Uh, so yeah, anyway, sort of a little interesting tidbit for you and an excuse for us making a mistake at the same time. Next is Chris Lewis on qi ta, which means other in context. So uh, it just gives a couple of examples of cool... Um, uh, mnemonics for learning words. So, shu sounds like sure woo me, and what better way to my heart than with a massive plate of chocolate food? Next is kowei, which means flavor or taste of, of food. And he says it sounds like go away. Kowei, go away. I'm not interested in your disgusting tasting food. That works fine. <laughs> so, he likes to do it based on the sound. It's a very Completely acceptable and very effective mnemonic uh, choosing technique. See, vocabulary terrible. I also resonate with what Chad says. Part of me, uh, it's another comment on the the, uh, lesson here. A part of me wants to complete the course too. However, I love getting distracted with learning new words like above that we haven't learned yet. Top-down words. I'll deconstruct new characters, create objects, and add them to my flashcards in a new category. When I first started learning Chinese, I thought I could be conversationally fluent in two years. I said said a year (laughs) when I first started. I reassessed that goal and made it three to five years. Then came across MB, and the rest is history. I have my whole life to learn this language. I've developed patience. And now with school finished, I'm a teacher... And lockdown in Malaysia and nowhere to go. I'm going to play a bit of catch-up while also being kind to myself. This is just great. You know, we we make we make claims about how fast you can go with our method, and we stand by those claims. But that doesn't mean that you, it's a race. <laughs> doesn't mean that you have to put, okay, I've got I've got to be literate in you know six months, conv, I've got to be fluent in 12 months from zero. You know, I, that's possible, but it's like You you know, you don't need to. (laughs) uh, That involves like hours and hours every day, of uh, which, first of all, most people can't do, like physically, they can't do that. Um, It's just not practical. But secondly, it's like this is a skill that you're developing for life, and you'll get better at it all the time for life. Uh, Life is long, okay. Um, So, yeah, and if you, that's why you enjoy the journey and just learn a new word here and there every day like I do now just take it easy and uh, enjoy the journey because once you get because there is no destination really but even if you do get to a certain target or goal you'll just end up seeing it as normal anyway and then adding another goal on so that goal will become not meaningless but normality pretty quick so if you don't enjoy the journey to that goal then you'll never really enjoy yourself so, so, Chris has got the right attitude. Last comment of the week here is from Julie. It's a question, actually. And uh, Julie just says, Is there a big difference between 觉得, 觉得 and 认为, 认为? It seems like they're close synonyms. But could you say that 觉得 is more connected to a person's feelings and thoughts? Or whereas 认为 is more formal in a way? Very close. I wouldn't say that 认为 is more formal but it's definitely more it's less emotion involved. It's just I think that all right whereas 觉得 is more I feel that and if you look at the characters um, uh, for 觉得, means emotion feeling like 知觉 uh, ganjue, uh, right? it's like your feelings from your various senses okay um, and gan can like is to literally feel so and duh, obviously we don't pronounce it with a second tone here but do I like to see as do is to, to to obtain right so what I'm obtaining what I'm obtaining from my feelings is you know so um that's that, and then ren wei ren is just to uh, to recognise, you know. So I recognise that. <laughs> so it doesn't quite connect as well, but um, it's basically a lot more clerical, a lot more clinical, a lot less uh, based on emotion, more based on uh, calculations, things going on up here. So yeah, your your instinct is pretty much spot on there, Judy. Next section of the podcast is a vocab living links. So just like uh, we had Chris earlier, we're going to make some mnemonics here based on suggestions from people. So first, so here is a Robert's um, mnemonic for vocab unlock for nega and nar. And he's doing it for nega in this example. And he says, my mnemonic is that I remember that there is an e, a number one, hidden in the which, to change na into 哪一个, na see that's really good, I really like this. So na means which, just the word which, 哪一个, is uh, which one, and 내一个. okay, so it kind of sounds like each other, 哪一个, so that's a very nice one. Uh, very nice way of doing that next is uh, nar, right, the other word in this uh, that's been unlocked here, nar and as soon as I looked at this I was like which sun, again I look at the characters first, I always like to break down the characters if necessary, sometimes it's not necessary Um, like when the characters are like super obvious to the point of being boring um Which you'll know by now, you'll have seen many examples of that. Um, Nara, so which son? And the meaning of the word is where. So I could just imagine an interaction between two people. Uh, where is my son? Which one? Which son? You know, so just imagine that, uh, Nate, that interaction. That's enough for me as a mnemonic. I think that would work really well. Next one is uh, Julie Henschel, vocab unlocked for Yao. So she's chosen to base her suggestion on Xiang Yao, which uh, which means to desire, to want. And she says, living for Xiang Yao. If you've watched the TV show Lucifer, he always asks, "What do you desire the most?" So that was Judy's suggestion for Xiang Yao. Let's look at some other ones here on this list. So we've got Kua Yao, Zhu Yao, and Yao uh, shi So let's look at Kua Yao first. What does it mean? The true meaning of it is. About to very quickly, about to um, we're about to take off. Um, something's gonna happen in the very near future. So, why would just find an image that represents some something or someone about to do something or something about to happen like within the next few minutes, seconds. Okay, so I might find a, I'm just sorry to use a bad example, like a not very pleasant example but I imagining someone really needing the toilet like just a picture of a guy like halt like crossing his legs you know like or maybe feeling sick or something like that um, <laughs> and that's enough for me uh, that will just say it all I think but you can maybe choose something a little bit less gross and just uh, a bit more pleasant uh, maybe it's literally a plane like running down a runway it's, it's just the the nose has already left the floor the ground and the back wheels are about to leave the ground, just about to take off. Maybe you could do that. Um Yao. Yao is uh, basically is used it's very common, very useful word to mean mainly, or the main thing is so let's look at the characters. Uh Yao. So means basically there's one of the things that it it does is it basically means the main thing of a thing. So it's used. If you if you see it in a bunch of compound words, look up "jewel" and in Pleco and go to the words section, Uh, words beginning. Actually, you can can divide it that way, and you'll see that it's used in a bunch of uh, words in the same way uh, to mean the main. And it describes the second character. It's the main thing of the second character. Um, Jewel also means like lord, boss, master. Um, so, you could say, yeah, uh, the master wants, you can make a mnemonic that way. What does the master want? Well, the main thing the master wants is more power. <laughs> that sort of just came to my mind there. So, people that are very powerful, high up, they tend to just want more, more and more and more, right? That's, yeah, so I might get, uh, get an image of something like that. Maybe you could get... Uh, a, a huge capitalist like Bill Gates or something like that. Um, hundreds of, you know, tens of billions of dollars, but still wants more billions, you know. Um, so that's one thing you could do there. Xiangyao, uh, we've done. Yao Shi. I just immediately think, because this is something that I often do. When I type Yao I it often accidentally types the word key. Yao so I would maybe make a connection with key, just because it sounds is exactly the same uh, pronunciation. So, yao means if, right? Ru basically. <clears throat> so I could say, if you don't have a key, you can't get in. So I could pay, find a picture of a yao shi. that. right? So you've got a guy trying to like bang bang his way through a door, or looking for a key or something like that. That's a good image to have for that one. So, yeah, I hope those were helpful. Cornel uh, Snauert on vocab unlocked for Shu, Kan Shu, and Shu Bao. So, Kan Shu, Cornel has gone with the reference to the sound on this one. Kan Shu, can't you read? Can't you read? That's such a common, sort of very rude thing that people, uh, that I've heard many times. Can't you read? Um, And that's that's great and then of course you can just have uh I don't know a picture of a someone holding a book that's upside down like pretending to read and <laughs> stuff like that um and we've got shubao is the next one here that's really sh- quite straightforward because the characters are obvious book bag and that's what the meaning is essentially um, so, just a picture of a book bag would be fine. Like, there's not really much else you need to do with that one. Judy Henshaw on May. Mei May关系. Zhong May. So, for Tong Lai May, the never have I ever game, which many of, of us from the West might have memories of, right? Playing that game. Tong Lai May. Or you could also just say, just find an image of something you've never done. So, I've never done hand gliding. So, I'll find a picture of a hand glider. Easy. Maysham, um, like there's nothing here. So <laughs> I just immediately, I don't know, I'm, I didn't prepare. I, I never usually prepare for these. But I just immediately thought of the movie, The Fifth Element, where the Gary Oldman's character, <laughs> he goes through all this trouble to find this, this briefcase that's supposed to have the four stones, the four elements. And he opens it up and it's his his delivery because he's one of the best actors in the world, in my opinion, and uh, his delivery was just like it's empty. You know the way he the way he said that and delivered that line. It's empty, and he's just terrified. And <laughs> um, that was great. So I would just I would just have that picture of him. I could definitely find that on Google, no problem. Um, and Mei Guanxi, I mean, Mei Guanxi. You might want to refer to the characters. I guess it's not that clear like because guanxi means no problem but the, the, literally it means no relation guanxi no relation could we connect those two in some way how could we connect 美? there's no relationship there's no relation between these two things or two people and no problem um, okay this is really silly again as many of mine are but uh, I am not related to any famous serial killer <laughs> like uh, um, John Wayne Gacy. Right? So right? <laughs> 我没有关系. So that's没关系. So there's no problem. That's good. That's really out there, isn't it? Um, uh, but you get the idea. There's no relationship. Or you could, I don't know, you could even have something a bit more general uh, something to do with crime I just when I think of that relation I think of crime like a, um, uh, someone being uh, accused of a crime and actually they get off because there's no connection between these two people the 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 victim of the robbery and this person actually they're not connected so he's now free uh, that's mei uh, guanxi I feel like that's acceptable I would definitely do that but uh, maybe you have a different idea. Please share that in the comments below. So there are there are Vocamp uh, connections for this week, and for the movies, we've just got a couple from Will Rayley, um, and his first uh, Will Rayley for um, "Full," which means secondary. It's used very commonly in that context to mean secondary. So he says Fry from Futurama in the Null Garden, fourth tone, right? The giant go- bu- Ghostbusters Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, <laughs> he's the uh, left side component, comes to bully Fry into his secondary villain in crime to be his accomplice. Fry gets his broadsword and tames the giant go- Ghostbusters Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. The Marshmallow Man is now Fry's secondary worker. Interesting. So I can, there's not much detail there as to what the crime is going to be. Uh, but I'm sure we can make something up there like visually uh, so maybe he's wherever you are where what's this in the garden so maybe he's trying to break into the house and those will off Marshmallow's like saying me and you we're going to break into this house and Fry just does something with the sword to tame him and now the Marshmallow like becomes hypnotized and kind of just uh, starts working for Fry in some way so just adding those little details would be great uh, but that's a, it's a nice little idea there, nice story, um, especially for a rather abstract uh, meaning. We'll rate it on uh, uh, full, which means width. So, this is, of course, within the same sequence, like one after the other. Width, the distance across something from one side to the other. So, a few drama, again, oh, same, same actor, same location, just different room because a different tone. The, Ghostbust, the Ghostbusters uh, Marshmallow Man. <laughs> Yeah, same, same Marshmallow Man as well. Challenges Fry to measure his width despite how high he is. South Park's Towley, Jin, is there with Fry, and Fry at least knows the width of Towley. Fry stretches Towley all the way across the width of the Marshmallow Man to measure the width. Poor Towley can't stop complaining. I've got to admit, I was a bit worried when I saw <laughs> a reference to being high, to how high someone is, and Towley, I'm glad he didn't go there. Thank you for that. Um, But now I just did. Oh, darn. We're going to have to cut this out now. All right. Anyway, thank you very much for that, uh, Will. (laughs) And thank you very much, everyone, for your emails and uh, your messages. They're all just so awesome this week, as usual. uh, Thank you again for the the GoFundMe people. And, uh, yeah, that's about all we've got for this week. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.